0: Hey friends, this is Linda and you're listening to Calling Water, the podcast that examines a passage of scripture and asks the questions, what does it mean and what does it call us to do? In today's episode, I Am, we're looking at three I Am statements from Jesus in John chapters 4, 9, and 11 to see how Jesus didn't require faith to help others, but rather inspired faith when he met people where they were. Let's get started. The book of John is unique in a few ways, as biblical scholars have dissected in the past. For one, there are a number of stories that appear only in the book of John and not in the synoptic Gospels, that is, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, like the story of Nicodemus or the Samaritan woman at the well, which we'll talk about in a second. Additionally, the book of John is pretty transparent about the purpose of the writing, as described in the author's own words in John chapter 20, verse 31. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. To that end, John also catalogs a few of Jesus' self-proclamations. For the theology nerds out there, the book of John is usually described as having seven or eight, depending on who you're talking to, I am statements, meaning There are these distinct times when Jesus described himself as something following the phrase, I am. And you've heard these statements before. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the true vine. I am the way, the truth, and the life, etc. But because these verses are often pulled out of their context into nice little memory verse nuggets, it's easy to forget why Jesus Even said these I am statements to begin with. So let's take a look at three times Jesus asserted, I am, and the circumstances that compelled Jesus to say these things. The first narrative I want to talk about is John chapter 4, where Jesus engages in conversation with a Samaritan woman. This was all sorts of controversial because Jews and Samaritans shared a complicated history and were, at this point, bitter rivals. As scripture describes, the woman came to the well to draw water. Jesus asked her for a drink of water, and the woman found it peculiar that he would ask her such a thing. Jesus answers that if she only knew who he was, she would be asking him for water. Now, she finds this a little humorous because Jesus has nothing to draw water from the well with, which is precisely why he had asked her for some water in the first place, right? Then Jesus answered once more, in kind of a riddle, in verses 13 through 14. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. To this, she's like, I'm sold. Give me this magic water. That's not what it says in the Bible. I am paraphrasing. To which Jesus sharply changes the subject and tells her to call her husband and come back. And she admits she has no husband. Jesus responds in verse 18. The fact is, you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Notice that Jesus says this with zero judgment. He just says, yes, this is a truth statement about your reality. I know a lot of us were taught to believe that this woman led an immoral life, but as women in this time had very little civil rights, it's more likely that she had been widowed or abandoned and she needed to constantly remarry to simply survive. But what's more important to note is that Jesus doesn't bring up the subject of her marital status to shame her. By bringing up the tragic reality of her life, he lays the foundation for why she may need to turn to someone who can provide her with lasting hope and peace. Jesus opens her up to the possibility of being able to worship a God that crosses the barrier between Jews and Samaritans. When she says that she heard that a Messiah, a Savior, was coming who would confirm these truths, Jesus declares in John chapter four, verse twenty-six. I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Jesus is rarely this forthcoming, even when his life depended on it later. When he was asked point blank by his accusers, his answer was more or less, your words, not mine. But here at the well, under the scorching Samaritan sun, Jesus says, I am he. And it is because of this revelation the woman goes out and tells her neighbors all about Jesus, and then they say to her in verse 42, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Next, let's jump ahead a few chapters to John 9. In this passage, Jesus comes across a man born blind. Disability in those days, and sadly among some today, were regarded as a curse resulting from sin. So the disciples, rather than seeing another human being as one of God's beloved creations, ask this supremely offensive question in John chapter 9, verse 2. Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Rude. And Jesus answers like so in the subsequent verses. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, But this happens so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, it may seem strange that Jesus says, I am the light of the world as part of his response to the man's blindness. But it makes sense if you think about vision. By definition, being able to see means your eyes are able to process light. Jesus is speaking both literally and metaphorically here. He gives a man sight, literal light, and invites others into a metaphorical light where they could recognize Jesus as the one with the power from God to do this impossible thing. But as humans do, once the man is able to see, everyone else just becomes fixated on the methods. What did Jesus use to heal his eyes? Some kind of special mud that restores eyesight? What kind of natural law did Jesus break to make this happen? What? He did this on the Sabbath when work is prohibited by law? To this, Jesus showed that he transcends all of these methods and rules he came to do god's work and that was going to happen regardless of what the societal norms dictated and he was very much interested in reaching out to the people everyone else deemed unworthy later when the man asked jesus to point him to the one responsible for his sight jesus answers in john chapter 9 verse 37 you have seen him in fact he is the one speaking with you finally in john chapter 11 jesus brings his dear friend Lazarus back to life. Lazarus had been dead for four days when Jesus arrived at his burial site. He had heard that Lazarus was gravely ill, but when he heard the news from his sisters, Mary and Martha, he predicted in verse four, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. And yet Lazarus did die. When Mary saw Jesus, she cried out, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Martha said something similar earlier to Jesus in verses 21 through 22. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. I don't know what Martha thought Jesus would ask of God at this point, but she did not even imagine that it would mean Lazarus coming back to life. Because she, like many others, believed that Jesus had great power, but they assumed that death would be the limitation. Naturally, no one could reverse death. So when Jesus weeps with the grieving women, some of them scoff in verse 37. Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? He could have prevented this. Now what is he going to do? But when Martha did not accept Jesus' words about Lazarus coming back, Jesus said this to her in verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? To which Martha replies, yes. So in each of these instances where Jesus issues an I am statement, it's to someone who desperately needs and wants to believe in him. To the woman who wanted to believe in the true savior, he said, I am he. To the ones who needed to see Jesus as the answer to both physical and spiritual blindness, he said, I am the light of the world. To the one who needed to believe life after death was possible, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. A lot of times we talk about faith and belief as the catalyst that will move God to act. Like if we have faith in large quantities or large sizes, that's what will compel God to perform miracles like changing hearts and healing illnesses. And certainly there are times throughout scripture when Jesus says someone's faith had made them well. But in the stories we just looked at, faith was not a prerequisite at all. If anything, faith was absent. Jesus placed zero conditions on the miracles he performed or the love that he showed. He did what he did for one reason, for the glory of God so that by seeing, people may believe and be drawn to relationship with the one who originated it all. So what these passages call me to do first and foremost is to stop making it about me. We are always so preoccupied with what the Bible has to do with me, and that makes sense. We can't apply something we don't understand. But instead of figuring out how God fits into our stories— It's more the other way around, isn't it? How do we fit into God's story? Each time Jesus stopped to speak to someone to hear their story, to heal them of their various maladies, it was with purpose. Jesus purposefully invited them into his narrative. The Samaritan woman and the man born with blindness, both of whom have no name even by the author of this gospel, might be otherwise forgotten were it not for the fact that Jesus took the time to sit with them and bring them into his story. But not only does Jesus invite humans into his narrative, he brings them into his mission. The work he was doing on this earth to restore humanity's relationship with God is expanded when more people discover God through their encounters with Jesus. They're the ones who go out and further the message of eternal life through God, not just a someday eternity in heaven, but of a new, lasting, and sustainable way of life, the way God first envisioned life for and with humans. So friends, take a moment to take stock of your relationship with God. Which I am truth do you need him to whisper to you today? Do you need confirmation that Jesus is indeed the Savior who knows and loves you? Do you need him to help you see things in a different way and maybe show you some ways in which you've been blind? Or do you need him to give you hope of better things because he is indeed greater than even death itself? In lieu of a prayer this week, I'd like to close with lyrics from a song that portrays how Jesus is near to us in various moments of our lives, even when we didn't even know the names to call him. Even before the people in our scripture heard Jesus say, I am, they were searching and reaching, and Jesus met them in their times of need to believe. After all, in the words of John, all of these were written that we may believe that Jesus is the son of God and that by believing we may have life, right? I hope that you'll pray these lyrics with me, And take the step to put your faith in him for the first time or once again. This is from I Am by Nicole Nordeman. Pencil marks on a wall, I wasn't always this tall. You scattered some monsters from beneath my bed. You watched my team win, you watched my team lose, you watched when my bicycle went down again. And when I was weak, unable to speak, still I could call you by name. And I said, Elbow healer, superhero, come if you can. You said, I am. Only 16. Life is so mean. What kind of curfew is at 10 p.m.? You saw my mistakes. You watched my heart break. Heard when I swore I'd never love again. And when I was weak, unable to speak, still I could call you by name. And I said, heartache healer, secret keeper, be my best friend and you said I am you saw me wear white by pale candlelight I said forever to what lies ahead two kids in a dream with kids that can scream too much it might seem when it is 2 a.m. and when I am weak unable to speak still I will call you by name shepherd savior pasture maker hold on to my hand You say, I am. When life had begun, I was woven and spun. You let the angels dance around a throne. And who can say when but they'll dance again when I am free and finally headed home? I will be weak, unable to speak. Still, I will call you by name. Creator, Maker, Life Sustainer, Comforter, Healer, My Redeemer, Lord and King, beginning and the end, I am, yes, I am.